This is Stop Shooting Yourself. I'm your host, Jill Anderson. This is a podcast all about life's expectations, how they rule our lives, and quite frankly, get in the way of the happiness we deserve. This episode is a very special one. Not only is it my first guest interview, but it is also with a person who is very, very special to me. Her name is Erica Carico. She is an award-winning life purpose and business coach, and she is my coach. She is the one who helped me set all of this amazing transformation in motion in my life. She has some wonderful stories and experiences, not only as a coach, but as a woman, as an entrepreneur, and I can't wait for you to meet her. I apologize in advance for some rookie amateur microphone issues, so hopefully the sound won't impede you from enjoying the content. Without further ado, let's get right to it. Erica Carico, everyone. Welcome, Erica, to the show. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Thank you. I am so excited to be here and have this conversation with you. Literally cannot wait. Especially because you're kind of how this all happened. For For you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I know. It's such a cool story. Yes. So I'm filling all of you in. Erica is my coach. She is the very first coach I ever worked with. Um, She centers around life purpose. It started for me kind of with a focus on career that really morphed into life purpose, which has then gone hand in hand, a hundred percent finding my purpose then ruled me into the work that I'm doing now, which I really believe is not only what I meant to do, but what I was kind of made to do. So Erica, tell me a little bit about your experience with shooting and your own life or with your clients, just kind of kick us off for you as kind of how that has popped up for you. We all are so conditioned by society as we're growing up. And I think that shooting is a part of every single one of our lives, whether we like to admit it, whether we realize it, um, it's just so ingrained in, in our society and who we are. And I think for me, I always knew you know, deep down that I was going to do something different with my life that I was, you know, I was always sort of the black sheep, like kind of just did things differently. But at the same time, you know, I really wanted to fit in and I felt like there were certain things in my life that I should do. So I went to, felt I should go to university. So I went to university. Um, I did things a little bit untraditionally. So like I traveled and studied abroad and like moved overseas and did all the things. But ultimately there was this underlying feeling of like, I should be further along in life or I should be in a different place in life. You know, I shouldn't be traveling anymore. I'm 26. I should be in a job or I shouldn't be doing, I shouldn't be starting my own business because I'll never earn enough money. So I should be getting a corporate career where it's safe. And I honestly think that, you know, it was a huge reason for me why I suffered, especially in my corporate career with anxiety and depression. And I just was trying everything that I could to fit myself in this box of, of what I felt I should be living. I should have friends. I should have a boyfriend. I should be going out on Friday nights. I should be working out. I should be earning money. Um, and I just, yeah, it, it kind of all culminated to this point where it all hit this huge head and I just, I was in ultimate burnout and I couldn't move one step forward in that life anymore. And it wasn't that interesting just in the fact that you get to that point and this is all, the shooting is really all, you know, so not only are you maxed out, you're at the peak of feeling, I can't do this anymore, 
but then what do I do? Yeah. I feel like totally. I was in that similar, not as extreme. I wasn't traveling the world. I didn't have enough, um, you know, guts to be doing all of that kind of stuff, but it is, it's that corporate type, you know, where this is the factory of life in college, you get dumped out at the end and you go get a career, you go get a job and you just start on the hamster wheel of all this stuff. But if at some point the hamster wheel stops or you just decide to leap off, then you don't even know where to go next. Right. And I don't think there are a lot of ways for us to navigate that. Agree. I think for me, that was you. Yeah. For me, it was a coach as well. Tell me about that. Well, so I was living in Sydney and in in Australia. And I, like I said, I just hit this whole point of like nothing resonated with me anymore. You know, I was living in this amazing place on Bondi beach, but I could never enjoy Bondi beach because I was working 12 hours a day. And then like my friend's circle didn't resonate. I was in a relationship that was really not healthy for me. Um, and I just felt like, what, what do I do to my life? You know, I knew my career was absolutely destroying me. Um, I was like drinking on the job. I literally would put like Bailey's in my coffee in the morning just to try and get through like the day. Uh, it was really great. It was really bad. Um, and then I was drinking every night, you know, like I would go to, I'd get off work and I'd go to spin class and I would just like spin away all the stress, 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 stress. And then I, you know, walk to the bottle shop and grab a bottle of wine and go home, pour myself a glass, eat dinner, go to bed and do the whole thing the next day. And I remember going into this doctor's office after having like this huge nervous breakdown. Um, and I just was like, I'm so anxious. I can't cope with this anymore. And I was just like, feeling like I wanted him to give me some kind of medicine. And I asked that, I said, is there just something you can give me? And he sat me down and, you know, he kind of looked at me and he said, I don't think that you're somebody who needs to go on medication right now, um, Erica, but I think that you need to take a good hard look at your life and figure out what needs to change. And yeah. And in that moment I knew he was right. And I, um, I don't even know how it happened, but a coach turned up. I had the opportunity to work with a coach and I did. And I quit my career and I left Australia and I spent the next year um, traveling around the world um, with my now husband, but boyfriend at the time. Um, And it was a real transformational year for me. Um, And I had a lot of time to think and figure out what do I want my life to be? What do I want my legacy to be here? What do I want to create when I go back to the real world type of thing? Um, yeah. it was kind of a turning point. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes you don't realize how desperate you are. Yeah. I think we throw the word numb around a lot. For me, it was more of, it was less of a numbing feeling and more of just, for me, those were my sources of joy or my one uptick things I looked forward to in the day. Like, yeah, coming home and having a drink or what, and, you know, I felt like nothing ever got out of control from a consumption standpoint, right. just something was unsettling. Right. And I was looking forward to yep. things in the day that really weren't going to fill me up just or excite me even as much as my job, you know, was supposed to be that just ends up getting diverted into other things until you realize that all of those are empty too. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think Australia is a lot more progressive. Would you agree in the coaching type of modality or ideal? I think so. They, yeah, I definitely think so. Um, It's more known there than it is here. I think here, a lot of people do think of like career coaches and corporate coaches and all of that. Um, Whereas I think we are a little bit farther behind on like life coaches and spirituality coaches and, um, you know, Right. Cause it's almost performance related. Mm, yes. Right. You think of a corporate coach or a career coach as something 
performance, make me better, make me more yep. profitable, make me more efficient, make me better, yep. better, better. And less just about the, hey, I would love somebody to just give me some feedback and some insight and help me right. figure this exactly. out. Exactly. Because isn't that kind of the hitch for a lot of people is how yeah. to figure it out. Yeah. Because we're not taught that, are we? There's nothing about that in school. No. Well, pick a career and choose a career for the rest of your life, but no one ever talks about, well, what happens if, you know, you want to change that or, you know, you're not happy in other areas of your life where you have all of the things that everyone tells you will make you happy and that you should do. Why am I fucking miserable? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I just remember being, I mean, I was an, I'm an anxious mm -hmm. person anyway, but being in college, I remember thinking there is no way I at 18, the first time out of my parents' house, how am I going to figure this out? Like there's no way for me to even know beyond what I know my parents did for careers or the immediate people around us. There was, I had no clue what to even look at. I mean, it's like jumping off uh, out of a helicopter into the ocean. Like there's no way to figure that out and I can't swim. <laughs> So, well, was, and that's just, I didn't know. I know. This is why I'm so passionate. And I, I've kind of um, started working on going into high schools and speaking and whatnot and call at universities and speaking because had somebody have reached me then and said, Hey, you don't have to choose a major that's going to last for the entire rest of your life. Like, it's okay if you choose a starting point and start right now. And also, Hey, let's not choose a major based on what your friends think is cool because that's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. Most likely the friends that help influence your major decision aren't going to be the ones who help exactly. you out later in life. Maybe you're lucky and you do. But I think, I think part of that too is the permission, which is a word that has, that you gave, I mean, you gave me permission and that changed everything for me. But I think it's that permission word to know that you have permission to redirect at any point, any point. in your life, at any right? Point. As a pleaser, that's my, I mean, I'm an Enneagram two. I'm a helper with a wing three. So I'm also pleasing and helpful and all, I get a lot of gratification out of other people's responses to how I do things. And so for me, that was the source of all of my, you know, all of, all of my joy or my, you know, just getting reinforcement from my parents is this is the right decision for you. Or, you know, watching what my friends were doing, what my sisters were doing. I got so much out of being like, okay, I should do that. It's working for them. That was how I did addition mm -hmm. in my mind and was kind of putting the, cause Legos it's all you, that's cause that's how you myself. know, that's all, you know, that's until, you know, like until you get yourself out there, which we're not really taught to do, you make decisions based on what you, what, what, you know, right. Or who, mm -hmm. you know, and who you trust. There's not a link or a moment there of educating how to go through that process. And I think that gap, you, you know, speaking in high schools and colleges, mm -hmm. that's huge hugely important. What kind of responses have you gotten from people that you've talked to at that age? Well, just, you know, a thank you. Like, honestly, that's the biggest thing I hear is just like, thank you. Thank you for saying that. I honestly, I didn't know. And I just felt all this pressure and, um, just thank you for taking the weight off my shoulders, I think is probably the biggest thing. Yeah. What are you doing as a mom knowing the influence you have with your own children? How, how are you kind of working that into how you parent and how you, you know, as your kids are growing up and showing interest in things and, you know, coaching them around 
you know, being open-minded and all of that. How do you, how do you, yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so different. I think, you know, and I'm not saying anything bad about my parents at all, but you know, you're the way that I grew up, it was, you will go to college. You will, you know, it's not, it's a non, it's not even an if it's like, uh, you will do this here. Expectation. Yeah. Expectation. Here's the religion that we are. You will believe this. We will pray. You will be baptized. We will go to church. Right. And I think for me now, I want my kids to choose who they are and to follow their own path, whether that be a spiritual path similar to mine or something completely different. I honestly just want them to be them. I want them to follow their own passions, not what I want them to do. Um, you know, and I don't honestly, I think it would be amazing if they go to college, but I'm also on board if they don't, you know, so I just want them to be themselves. And I really make it a point to just let them know that. And so if they come to me asking about something like, you know, God or whatever. Um, I just say, you know, well, what do you want to believe about that? Or how do you choose to believe about that? Or it's everyone can believe what they want and it'll be up to you to figure out what you believe. Um, so I just really try and leave it a lot up to them, you know, and if they ask my own thoughts and opinions on things, I'll tell them, or like, what did I do? I did go to college. I do have a master's degree. Um, but you don't have to do that. And I think there's a lot of power in language and also asking questions. Mm-hmm of just turning that around and saying, okay, like you were saying, I'll give you my opinion, Mm -hmm. what I find has been true for Mm -hmm. me, but how do you feel about that? How does that make you feel? What questions do you have about these topics that, okay, you're a kid, you you may not know X, Y, Z yet, but how are you curious? What is it that you want to know? Exactly. Instead of just saying, this is how, you know, God created the earth. This is how it is. What if I have a little budding scientist and all of a sudden he doesn't believe in science anymore and doesn't become a scientist that could change the world because I've just told him God created the earth and he has to believe that, right? So there are so many things that influence our path of how we should be and what we should do that we don't even realize um, as children. Yeah. And so much of it I've learned is subconscious. I just so clearly, vividly remember that moment in our, in our coaching series together when you just looked at me and we were, we were on zoom then three years ago, people, we were very progressive. (laughs) This was before pandemic. This was three years ago, but I remember just you looking at me and just, I, I was struggling with something. I couldn't figure it out. It was subconscious and I, I just could not put a finger on it. Do you remember this? I think so. Yeah. And I was trying so hard to use everything that I had learned. I do remember my my college career. I was food science major. I had done every job decision I had ever made was for the next rung up. Yeah. So it was so careful. I mean, this was like me laying my own yellow brick road here. I mean, every brick was in the perfect spot and I made calculated choices the whole way. So when I was freelancing in food, I was like, all right, I'm shotgunning it. I'm just going to figure out what I like the best. And that's what I'm going to make my business out of. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really loving any of it enough to make it something that I wanted to do all the time. Mm -hmm. And it was, I was enjoying, I enjoy my food work very much, but I could tell that there just was not that passionate pull. And you just looked at me through the computer and you're like, Jill, I give you permission to do whatever you want. Like you don't have to keep doing food things. And I looked at you and I was like, oh my God. Light bulb. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Nobody ever told me that. Yeah. Not that, not. And then for me, it's like, I was not a free thinker at that point. You know, I was so entrenched in guidance and my trusted advisory board that it never occurred to me that I could 
step out of that and really make that choice for myself, which is crazy because I was in my mid thirties at that time. Man, I know it's because you were living, you were shitting yourself. (laughs) I was a hundred percent. I was really good at it though. You were like an expert. I know. I mean, well, by that time I'd gotten divorced. So mm-hmm. you know, that's true. Kind of started falling off the wagon at that point. But, but it's amazing how comfortable that is, even though the discomfort of not staying true to your talents, your skills, your purpose, your calling, your knowing, whatever you want to call it, we're still so comfortable. We're more comfortable in the lane or in the should pile than we are at even thinking about venturing into anything else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How has that happened? Have you have you seen that a lot in the clients that you worked with? Oh, you work with every single person, every single really? one. Yeah, every to a certain degree. Is is that something you almost notice right off? And then there's a um, a series of I don't know journaling prompts or like how do you kind of get people through that first mm-hmm. part? I think it's a that's the awakening, right? And so you know my course now it's the program that you went through is now an online course. Um, or an online program. And the first half of it is really all about awakening yourself. Well, what do you actually really want? What do you actually really love? Who, who are you? What do you believe? What, what are you passionate about? What causes are you passionate about? What are you actually really good at? And it just gets people to re look at themselves. And honestly, I would say like 80% of people will come back to me and they'll say, I don't even know what I like to do. Dude, that was me. Yeah. Like write down your dreams. I'm like, what? Totally. What dreams? <laughs> I had no, no clue. It sounds really sad, but I just, I never attached to that. I just didn't. I don't know what, what was missing for me that that was just nothing I ever thought to do. I didn't know how. Yeah. I didn't know how. I didn't even know what my hobbies were. Like I didn't really have any. Yeah. So to even start pulling out what you love to do, what you're passionate about. Truly, I believe that 100% that 80%-ish of those folks don't even know because they've never known how. No, and we lose that. Like our focus when we're a kid is to have fun and somewhere along the way that becomes our last priority and we just start getting so caught up in the mundane, you know, achieving part of life that we don't know what we love to do anymore and who we are. So yeah, you're right. And we, that was the very first thing you and I did was let's start exploring that. Mm Mm-hmm. And it starts to come back, you know, you start to really just awaken yourself again. And then once you can shine light on how, what aspects of your life and how much you really are living life based on either your own expectations or everybody else's expectations, you can start to shift and change that. Yeah. My sister, so insightful. She told me, she got on me at one time. She's like, Jill, you don't even know how you like your eggs. (laughs) <laughs> and I looked at her and I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, you've seen Runaway Bride. It's Julia Roberts's character in that movie. Every man she's with, she morphs mm. who she is and what she likes based on every boyfriend that she has. And so part of the story is Richard Gears, the journalist, and he goes and he starts interviewing all of her former fiancés that she has left at the altar and asks them, how do you like your eggs? And every one of them would say, oh, poach, same as me. Or scrambled with salt and pepper same as me and she looks she's like that is you <laughs> I said oh there. my gosh I mean I would love to be Julie Roberts but that isn't really what she was getting at <laughs> it, was <more> just, <laughs> it 
But it really was, I was doing the exact same thing. Like I was forcing myself into the mold of whatever person I was with, whoever they wanted me to be, whatever they were interested in. Cause I was so neutral with myself and I was agreeable. So I was like, all right, well, you, you like doing that? Fine. I'll go along. It's all good. And then I just, I was completely lost. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And my husband now will tell you that I am not that way anymore. <laughs> just kidding. I mean, I do go fishing with him quite a bit, but he, yeah, he has pushed my boundaries and has helped me kind of figure those things out though, by getting me out of my safe zone, which was where I, you know, spent a lot of time just mm -hmm. doing what is comfortable and what I know to be right. Instead mm -hmm. of how else do you figure it out, but go climb mountains like you. <laughs> that definitely helps. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So in your own words, what does shooting mean to you? Well, I think you're selling your soul in all honesty. Um, and I'm not saying I'm perfect because of course there are areas of my life that I look at every so often and I'm like, yeah, well, that's exactly what I'm doing here. Um, but again, I become aware of it and then I work to figure out, well, what needs to happen and what do I need to change? But I think it's just, you're living life based on other other people's expectations are based on other people's standards, whether it be society or family, um, rather than actually following your own soul path. And I think it's a damn tragedy. Yeah. How do you coach your clients to deal with the fear of of head of hitting those things head on? Because I think that's the biggest barrier is knowing that it's going to be hard or that people I remember going through just a shift in myself of knowing that I'm doing this work and that some of the people that I spend a lot of my time with now aren't going to understand that because they haven't gone through it themselves. So there's the fear of opening up to all of this stuff we don't know and finding that it's scary. It's terrifying. It's really terrifying, especially when you realize that really big things in your life are going to have to switch and change, right? You might have to leave the job. You might have to leave the marriage. Your friendships might fall away. But I think at, what's the cost? What's the cost of the alternative? Mm -hmm. And to me, that's when I'm thinking of making a really big, scary, terrifying decision. And I do this a lot. I think to myself, what is the sacrifice of the alternative? What's the cost of the alternative? How will I feel if I stay where I'm at right now? And am I okay living this way the rest of my life? And the last thing that I want to do is get to the end of my life and be lying in that bed thinking of all the things I wish I would have done regardless Same. of the fear or not. And so, yeah, every time fear starts to creep in, which is a lot, I have to tap back into that place. And um, it's really connecting to, again, your why and your reason. Um, and just remembering that we're here for really big, beautiful, rich, vibrant lives. And um, I just don't want to get to the end of my life saying, oh, I wish I would have done this, 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 and this, but I was too scared. Like no freaking way. Right. And I, a big piece of that for me too, is I didn't know how great it was really going to be. And, and there's no way to know that until you a hundred percent step into it. True. And it's not going to happen in a zero to a hundred percent type situation. Like you'll tiptoe, you're going to find your path and that percentage will continue to grow the truer and truer you become to yourself and what you are meant for and just what, yeah, what this life is really meant to be like. I just think we don't really understand how great it can really be mm -hmm. until you, until you do the work to get there. Totally agree. Totally agree.
Yeah. But you're, it, for me too, it was kind of that same fuel of knowing that there's just something more. It was not cerebral for me. It was just that nudge and that restless feeling of knowing like, this is not it. This is not it. There is more to this whole human experience than just hanging out on my, in my lazy boy every night, which <laughs> I still really love, but it's okay to love a lazy boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But to take the risks and to, you know, like not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur by any means, No, but, but what does that risk look like for you or where, you know, where is that, that little niche in your life that is kind of meant for you to cut loose on and really fully live and enjoy? Yeah. And I think fear is a good indicator of what that is, right? Because it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. No. It's not something to fear, right? It's actually, yeah, that's how you know you're almost onto something. Yep. Agree. Follow the fear. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just become for you just a, you know, you sense that fear coming up and then that's your, you know, your radar for, oh, okay, something big is happening. And then you drop back in and just really kind of, how do you manage your emotions throughout that? Because they say that, isn't it fear and excitement are the same feeling just with kind of different perspectives? Mm. Yeah. My speaking coach, she always says that fear is excitement without breath. And I can totally see that too. Um, So I let's just say it's like a daily thing where I feel fear. If it's something that's just like a daily thing, I, I know that I can kind of close my eyes and just really ground myself and tap back into who I am. You know, a lot of times if I'm scared of getting on stage, I'll talk about, or I'll think about, I'll close my eyes and I'll think, okay, all the times that I've done this before, all the amazing, incredible things I've done that scared the shit out of me before. Like I, I pull power from that and I use that in the moment let's say for example, it's fear that's bigger than me. So fear of like when I was starting my business, right? Fear of failure, self-doubt, fear of the unknown, fear of all the things. Well, in that kind of a situation, I get a coach or I hire a mentor or I work with a therapist. So I hire someone to help me work through what needs to happen, the change that I need to make. Great point. Because the overwhelm paired with fear kind of kill any sort of progress that you would ever get out of it. And I've learned the value of that too. When there's something, there's a resource for about anything you could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. And having the courage to engage with that resource is kind of where it begins. Like once, I feel like once you hire a coach, you kind of are enlightened as to how much that you know can enhance and help support you throughout whatever it is that you're working toward. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's addictive. (laughs) It is. It is. And in a good way. Yeah. In a good way. Because I feel too, school doesn't have to stop or you don't actually have to enroll in college or whatever to keep growing and learning. And that's, this is kind of the adult way of doing that. Right. Right. Totally. Which has been a total game changer. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. I don't think I haven't worked with anyone since I started working with you and I've been working with you pretty much the entire time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm the same. Yeah. yeah. I always have a coach or a mentor or a program or something that I'm in always. Sometimes they overlap. Right. Now there could be someone out here thinking, okay, Jill, but you just said to look within and not always check your trusted advisor. So what are you doing working with a coach? (laughs) Ha ha. Right. (laughs) What would you say to them? I can, I can tell you what I would say to them, but I'm curious what you would say. 
Oh, well, I would say, you know, coaches help you to look within and help you to look deeper within and ask you the right questions to make the most out of that experience, right? And to help you really move past your own limiting beliefs and your own blocks and your own fear and your own self-doubt and your own self-sabotage to like really look within. Right. Because this is not what we think of as like a basketball coach or a football coach who is telling you where to go and what to do and what position to play, Right coaching as we speak about it is really, you know, the, the beauty of it though, is the, the objectivity of your coach, like our job as coaches is to be a safe place for you. Number one. And then number two, to, to ask those tough questions that you might be afraid to mm-hmm. even ask, let alone answer. And I think that's the most mm-hmm. powerful connection of all of it, because once you allow yourself to kind of dig into some of those things, that's where the magic begins to happen. And that's something I think is very difficult to do by yourself. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we can't see our blind spots. That's Mm -mm. yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. And there's something to being challenged Mm -hmm. in real time with a real human who's kind of seeing you and, and mirroring you back to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause we only know what we know. Right. So if we have, like you said, someone to mirror that back to us, we can see so much more. Right. Right. Yeah. Something you never would have been able to see on your own. Right. And I think that's, that's beautiful too in patterns. I know when I was having that experience of not really knowing myself or knowing what I was good at, it was really the exercise of kind of looking around the people that I had worked with my friends and having them kind of mirror to me what they know me to be good at, how they know me to have talents or skills or whatever those things are. And there were so many things that I'd never considered, but when I looked at it through their eyes, I was much, it was just much easier. And I was opened up to so many things I had never maybe even felt confident enough to, to even think about doing. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. if I had, if someone would have told me at 18 years old that I would be speaking and having a podcast and coaching people, I would have probably like thrown up, cried and ran away. (laughs) Yeah. Same here. (laughs) (laughs) Terrified. Which is because, yeah, I mean, there's no major for that. So only by our own growth and curiosity and intuition did either of us get here. Right. And imagine, imagine what your life would be like if you, if you hadn't taken that, that very brave step. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you ever do that? Do you ever think about that? No, I don't. Um, I just can't. Yeah, I can't imagine. I think. I don't know where. I probably would be dead in all honesty. Yeah. Or it's almost terrifying in a way. In like the flip side. Like it just is terrifying as it was to take that first step and to start doing that work. Now that you have really embodied that and are living that 100%, you, you can't imagine. Like the step back to what you were doing is almost infinitely more terrifying than the mm-hmm. first you took out. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's so true. There's just no way that your soul and your spirit has the capacity to even do that anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. That's just the thing. And that honestly start, like I see this in my clients when they come to me and I, I, this happened to me too. I mean, it starts to physically manifest itself in it, in your body. You know, I mean, I see people with audit, you're resisting your own self and your own soul and your dreams. And like deep down, you know, there are things you want to do and you're resisting, you're resisting, you're resisting. And that comes in the form of press procrastination, self doubt. I'll do it later. Um, but it manifests your body can only handle so much of that. I mean, for me, it was a cancer diagnosis. 
you know, for a lot of my clients, it's autoimmune diseases, it's digestive issues, it's chronic fatigue. So our bodies are not stupid. And there's only so much that you can repress this and push this down before your body starts turning on itself because it can't handle it. The energy is not flowing. It's blocked. It's stuck. It's trapped within you. And your cells start to manipulate in a really different way than they would if you were happy and doing what you love and that energy is flowing freely and you don't feel resistance and you're not procrastinating. And it's a very different vibe to be living in. And that's where healthy bodies function and thrive. And I think another misconception that I think misconception is a strong word because I don't even know that we're aware that we're doing this, let alone to have it be a misconception, but that our brains are in charge. Yeah. Don't we think we think our way through everything and and I think that's how we think we're supposed to, or how we should do things, right? You think the crap out of everything that you do. I am an overthinker, a hundred percent, knowing that logic doesn't always rule. I think logic can be your checkpoint, your guardrail. But another thing I don't feel we, we spend enough time talking about or learning how to do is to tune in within. I mean, that's where it all starts, but we don't even know that that's where it begins. Right. We look everywhere externally for the answers. Yeah. That's why we shop. That's why we drink. That's why we eat. That's why we watch TV. That's why we surf the internet and, you know, flip through Facebook when we really need to be unwinding and going to sleep because we're looking to just distract ourselves, distract our brains, distract our inner beings, you know, whatever that gut feeling is, because we don't want to feel it. Yep. Which is silly because it's telling you good things or it's telling you there's a guide there. But we we're just so misguided in in that tuning in process. Mm-hmm. That's the first step. Everyone listening, that is the first step to change for sure. And you're gonna like be all wiggly and weird because it's a very weird feeling to get used to. <laughs> Put your phone in another room at night and then lay in bed and you're just like, this is weird, this is weird, this is weird. But every day it gets easier. That is like, true. That is get, weird. get to be good friends with yourself. I guarantee you think you're, you're cool. Yeah. That's such another really good point is it, that's kind of how you can look at it is getting to know yourself and becoming best friends with you. And I think so many people can't be alone or they can't be alone with their thoughts for like literally two or three minutes. So like you said, they do everything they can to distract themselves. So I think one thing I know I had you do in the beginning too, Jill, and I have my clients all do this is give yourself 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes a day where you are not doing anything. This could be like a meditation. It could be a walk, but you're not listening to anything. You don't have the radio on. You're not listening to YouTube. You're not listening to a podcast. You're watching the sunset. You're sitting under the tree with your eyes closed, listening to the leaves blow in the wind. You're staring out the window at a sunset or by a fire. You're you're sitting there or you're walking without any distractions for just 10 minutes a day. And it's incredible what starts to come to you and the thoughts you start to have and how you start to get to know life in a really different way. hundred percent. That was a total game changer. Spending time outside in the morning when it's absolutely quiet is by far my favorite thing. By far. Yeah. You used to sit on your deck, even in the winter, you'd get up and- Oh my gosh, you'd... yes. I would shovel myself like a little path in a little spot and I lay down, like I wrap myself in a blanket mm-hmm. And I lay down and I'm a cold winter person, cold weather. I love it. God dang, if nothing puts you in your place better, nature does. You will learn that you are not the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just like sets you right. It just puts you in your place in, in a good, calming, connective way. Yeah. 
and it helps you tune into the things that yeah really are better for your attention than you know scrolling through all the things all the time what would you recommend for our listeners today moving forward like what would you say is your kind of your first step to stopping the shooting I think, again, it's really getting to know yourself. So I would just give yourself 10 minutes a day to sit in silence or do what it is that you, that fuels you and that nourishes you and, you know, start writing an inventory of what do you really love? What do you love to do? And, you know, what are you really passionate about? What kind of lights that fire underneath you? And just, um, you know, start to get to know yourself again, I think on that, on that soul level and then also look at your life and start unpacking it piece by piece. Well, let me look at my career. Why did I choose this career? Do I actually really like this career? Do I see myself doing this until I retire or for the rest of my life? And if not, why not? What's the answer behind that? And you can go through and do that in all areas of your life, religion, spirituality, as a parent, as a partner, a husband or a wife or a spouse. Um, and start really looking at different aspects of your life. Why do I live where I live? Do I actually really like where I live? Does it fuel me? Um, right. And, you know, start looking at what decisions you have really made based on, you know, just kind of falling into something or feeling like what you should be doing and how much of it have you actually intentionally created? Or chosen. Mm. Yeah. And I would add to that too. For me, it was, I didn't really know the things I loved that much. So it was almost going through in reverse and the things that I didn't love or that were causing me stress, things that I ended up releasing and that didn't serve me Mm -hmm. anymore to then make space to find out the things that I loved Mm -hmm. because it was a struggle to get out of what I already knew in a way. Yeah. And, and I would say too, for shooting a big one that I like to talk about is realizing that we all have choices that as adults, we've made choices that have gotten us where we are good, better otherwise. But I think it's recognizing too, that everything even still exists because you choose to be there and not making a choice is still a choice. Right. Because it's, you're still choosing to be where it is you are. So, so only you can dig yourself out of that should pile, right? Only you. And a great coach. And a great coach definitely helps (laughs) speed up the process. That's for sure. Do you have any parting words you'd like to share today with our very sweet listeners? I would just say, you know, you are here for, you're here, we all are here to live a rich, beautiful, vibrant, raw, messy, broken life and that is okay and i think we're afraid to feel the big feelings and so we're afraid to step out and see what's possible and we're afraid to step out and do what we really want to do and we're afraid to step out and take the risk and that's normal that's called being human mm-hmm. but you're here for a reason and you're here to experience all the ups and downs and the highs and lows and the beauty of life and um why can that not be okay? You know? Exactly. Beautiful. Thank you for spending time with us. Thank you so much for having me. Tell everyone where we can find you to follow you and to just get in some Erica Carico goodness because <laughs> there's plenty of it and it will blow your mind. 
No, you're amazing. Thank you. Well, I'm guessing you'll put the links somewhere below. I Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I do have a free guide, um, seven steps to finding your life purpose, which Jill, I can send you the link if you'd like to pop that, um, in the comments or in the show notes, but that's a really great place to start. And, um, you can always find me on Instagram. Um, I hang out there quite a lot. Um, my website is ericacarico.com and there's just tons of videos and free resources and all of that on there for anyone at, at no matter what part of their journey they're on. Beautiful. You've changed my life, sister. I couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> thank you. One more thank you to Erica for being on the show. Go to the show notes to find out how to follow Erica. All that information will be there. Also, don't forget to go to heyjill.com and sign up for emails from yours truly. Who wouldn't want more of me in your inbox? More good stuff. The podcast has its own Instagram account. Find us at Stop Shooting Podcast. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your bus driver, tell the checkout lady at the grocery store. If you want to email me, go for it. Podcast at heyjill.com. Send me your ideas. Send me your feedback. Send me your questions like, Jill, I don't know what to make for dinner. This is what's in my fridge. Guarantee I can help you with that. Just ask my sister. Hit the subscribe button on this podcast. Rate it five stars because I know you know I deserve it. Drop me a rating, drop me a review. All of those things help me to get this message out to more people. Don't forget to tell your friends. And last, but certainly not least, my friends, stop shutting yourself.